Jewish Money Matters, episode 290, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. This is Ask Yael Friday with me, your host, Yael Trush. Welcome to the show. Chodesh Tov, everyone. Kislev is here. It's incredible, right? I, I mean, I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around this because it feels like we came out from Yom Kippur or from sitting in the sukkah only yesterday, <laughs> wasn't it? Am I the only one out there feeling this way? Anyway, I don't know if you can tell from my voice, but I have been a bit under the weather and this cold is dragging and my energy is just really low, hence my absence around here. And so I'm going to keep this intro pretty short because I, like I said, I just not, I'm not feeling very well. And I was actually going to skip this episode, but I I, I don't want to do that. I, I We have a lot of questions and they're important questions. I want to make sure that um, I keep up with the, with the queue here. Um, and of course, I did teach last night my Bitachon class to ladies, which left me completely drained. Um, by the way, if you'd like to register for that class, it's really enjoyable. Uh, just email me and I'll send you the registration link. Uh, it's really a nice, it's weekly, it's completely free, and we have a nice group of ladies. By the way, I'm happy that I taught the class. You should know, I'm not complaining. I'm really happy that I taught it. But I'm saying my energy is, you know, I got to preserve my energy and uh my voice really for a very busy Sunday coming up. I'm teaching in the morning and then I'm presenting in the afternoon on an online panel. I'm very grateful for the opportunity, of course, and a big interview on Monday, which I had to reschedule from this past week. And I don't want to do that again. By the way, speaking about Monday, Monday's episode with Honey Rosen. Honey's a riot. You got to listen to that show, that uh, interview. Don't miss that. Let's get the show moving and let's preserve my voice here. Nahama is our first uh, question. She submitted her first question. She did that through email and she says the following. She says, my biggest concern is where can I put my 401k from a previous job, which is probably in an IRA. Listening to Tony Robbins say, saying the fees of some companies eat up a lot of money. I really want to be proactive and go with a reputable company that has low fees. Any suggestions? I'm not even sure how to phrase the question to the financial company that I should ask. Um, other than what fees do you charge to manage the IRA? Money has always been an emotionally draining topic for me and my husband, and it's nice to get advice and education on it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, Nahama, well, thank you for your question and really for listening and for finding the show a source of education. It's an important question. Uh, let's clarify it because um, I think once you get it, you're going to be off to the races. Nahama is asking about what's called a 401k rollover. So first of all, Nahama, you say that your 401k is probably an IRA. If you haven't transferred the 401k, then the money is still in the 401k, meaning unless you did the rollover, your money is still in your old employer's 401k, which is fine. I'll explain in a second. When you leave your job, you really have two options. I, I mean, a few options, not two, a few. You can leave the money in the 401k if your employer allows it. And if you like the plan that they offer, meaning if you're satisfied with how the money's invested and the fees, etc. In this case, 
In that case, you won't be able to continue to contribute to the account, but that money that you have, it continues to be yours and it continues to be invested in whatever you have it invested up until now. Also, typically, this is an option if you have more than 5,000 contributed, this $5,000 contributed into the account. So if you've contributed less than that, then I do believe that you have about 60 days, 60 days to transfer the money to an IRA or to another employer's 401k. That brings us to option number two, which is you can transfer the money from your previous employer to your current employer's 401k. That sounds like it's not the case. It sounds like you don't have access to another 401k, which is why you're asking the question. And that brings us to option number three, which which is roll over the 401k into an IRA. That sounds like either what you think you did or what you want to do. And I'm not entirely sure if you actually did it again, because you say that it's probably in an IRA. Again, it won't be in the IRA unless you've taken the steps to roll it over. Now, rolling it over is actually quite simple. um, But first, check where your money is and then decide if you want to do a rollover. And the reasons to do this rollover, this transfer of the money are wanting to have more investment options as the employer's 401k plans, they tend to be limited. And those limitations could be costing you in fees, you don't have as many choices. I mean, it's a great thing. And that's why you did it. But sometimes we want a little bit more flexibility and choose something choose other invest have other investment options. So transferring your money into an IRA might give you more options in terms of low cost index funds to place your money in, which is what Tony Robbins is talking about and what you're looking for. And also, you might just want your money in one place. So you might want to roll it over. And that way you just continue contributing to that account and everything is consolidated in one place rather than having one 401k over there and then a new retirement account IRA somewhere else. So in terms of reputable companies and low cost, Vanguard is of course the leading, the leader in low cost index funds. I would say go with a company like Vanguard and what you want to do is an IRA rollover. You want to make sure that you're not asking for a distribution, but rather for a rollover. If you get a distribution, you will be responsible for the taxes and the withdrawal penalty. But really, it is a seamless process. You can call Vanguard and ask for the details on the process. I know I've been through it. it. It really is not complicated. But basically, let's say that your money is now in Fidelity for, you know, for example's sake, because your previous employer's 401k was through Fidelity, right? If you decide that you don't want to continue working with Fidelity, then you request a rollover and they mail a check to you. And then within 60 days, you need to deposit that money, that check into your new IRA at Vanguard in, in order to avoid paying taxes on that money. Like I said before, once you've deposited the money into your new IRA, Then you decide which index funds you want to invest your money in, and you're likely looking for access to most of the stock market, right? And low expense ratios, which is precisely what Tony Robbins, Tony Tony Robbins is referring to. And I do remember years ago reading Tony Robbins book money. And that's exactly where I had my aha moment with expense ratios and how much it can cost a person over the life of the investment. And Uh, At precisely that moment, I actually saw that what I had been paying on my own investments, and it was a real financial adulting moment, and it was a a real big aha moment. So good for you for asking the question. Um, Go through those steps. Let me know if you have any other questions, and good luck with that. The next question is from Anonymous via email. 
An anonymous is asking for a friend, and this is what she says. My friend expressed concern with setting up investment accounts for her children because she said this could prevent them from getting college grants or loans in the future. Is this true? And is it also true if the parents have investments? Okay, great question, anonymous. So accounts like UTMA or UGMA accounts, which are custodial investment accounts for your children, do reduce the eligibility for need-based financial aid. And so, yes, they do offer a lot more flexibility than a 529 college savings plan, but they can impact the child's eligibility to federal student aid because these custodial custodial accounts are considered assets of the child, of the student. And an asset of the student tends to have a higher impact on financial aid eligibility than the assets of the parents. Now, what about the 529 college plans? Do they have an impact? So a custodial 529 plan for a student is treated as an asset of the parent on the financial aid application, the FAFSA, the the free application for federal student aid. So this means that this type of account, the 529, um, has a lower impact on the financial aid eligibility, as I said. And the truth is that in most cases, it does help you more than it hurts you. So I wouldn't be discouraged if you are intent on your child or your friend is intent on your child going to college and that they really believe that this is going to be the path for their family, then it's a good option. These funds are to be used for college-related expenses. So you don't have as much flexibility as with the other two custodial accounts. But again, you... Um, you don't run the risk of it impacting the financial aid application. Um, so then the next idea is that there's another investment option for a child, which is a custodial Roth IRA, which I tend to like a lot. This one will not impact the financial aid eligibility of the child um, because it's considered a retirement account, but it does give a lot of flexibility in terms of what the child can do later on with that money. And as long as the child does not make any withdrawals from the Roth, from the Roth IRA during the time they're in college, then it's not going to impact their federal aid eligibility. So that's important to note. So I would say that if you're really concerned about college financial aid, consider or your friend consider the 529 plan or the Roth IRA. Bear in mind, though, again, that the Roth, the 529 plan the, the money in the 529 is to be used for college or education related expenses, whereas the Roth IRA offers a lot more flexibility. So if you have a child who is making earned income, then I really like the option of the Roth IRA a lot. Now, as far as parents' investment accounts and how they impact the FAFSA application, um, so like I said before, the, the parents' assets um, have less of an impact than the student's assets. Some types of student and parent investments are reported on the FAFSA application, the free, again, the free application for federal student aid, and some are not. So let's go through them a little bit. Money in qualified retirement plans, uh, small businesses that are owned and controlled by the family, and the net home equity for the family home are not reported on the FAFSA. So that's important to note, right? So your primary residence, that that does not count against you on the FAFSA. Your retirement accounts do not count against you on the FAFSA, okay? So any money that you have in your 401ks or your IRAs are not counted as an asset in in this case. But the money that is in a non-qualified retirement plan, like a brokerage account, like individual stocks, all of that are considered as assets on the FAFSA, even if 
they are intended for retirement. And even if the account owner, you, the parent is already retired. Okay. Thanks for your question. And I hope that was helpful. And thank you for helping your friend. I, I love, I love these questions that come from, you know, I'm asking for a friend, tell your friend to also listen to the show too, by the way. <laughs> but I love it. I love that we are building here something that it's just, it's a ripple effect, right? We're getting educated and then we're sharing with our friends and our friends are coming to us with questions. And I think, I think it's wonderful. It really, it really is why I'm here. So the next question is from Sarah and Sarah asks via email. She says, I work for a company that recently went ESOP. Is it still necessary for me to fund a 401k? And if yes, I'm at 5%, how much? Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks. Okay, everybody. So an employee stock ownership plan, ESOP, that's what Sarah is talking about. That's an employee benefit plan that gives employees company stock. Uh, it's often based on the duration of their employment. So the employee is getting an ownership stake in the company that they work for. It's a very nice perk, especially if our employer is a company that is expected to do very well. So Sarah is asking, okay, so now my employer has given us this ESOP. Should I still fund my 401k? Well, think about it, Sarah. The ESOP alone means that you would have all your eggs in one basket. You're solely relying on the performance of your employer. I mean, ESOP is great, but you for sure want to keep funding your 401k because you want to have that diversification. In the most extreme of cases, if your company goes bankrupt and you're only relying on the ESOP, you could lose your retirement nest. Uh, you can listen to my interview with Patrick McGuinness, the author of the book FOMO. That's episode 247. And he had he experienced something like that. That actually happened to him. I mean, l- luckily, he did have some other assets. He did have he, he didn't have all of his investments in his employer stock, but still. So that means that you want your 401k and your IRA investments to be a larger percentage of your retirement savings than your ESOP. Yes, the ESOP has a place and it's great, like I said, but it shouldn't be the bulk or the majority of your retirement assets. And then as far as how much you should contribute to your 401k, well, that's really up to you. But I like to say that if your company also offers a match, then you want to contribute at least the amount you need to get that match because that is free money. So contribute as much as you need to, as much as you need to contribute for your company to do the match. Check with your employer if they do offer that. So that's number one. Now, beyond that, I would, you know, it's a personal choice and I would look at my financial situation, maybe even go to a retirement calculator. There are many online and decide how much, but really if you want a good rule of thumb, honestly, it's really going to be more than the 5% that you mentioned that you're contributing currently. And the rule of thumb for retirement savings is 10% of gross salary for a start. That's a really good, big, good way to begin, especially if you're starting early. So we tend to recommend like start, you know, from your first job with 10% of your salary. But if you're starting later in life, you might be looking at somewhere close to 20% because, you know, again, you're catching up. And of course, there are many variables like not just the age, but how much money do you expect to need at retirement, your earnings potential, how much you're currently making, you know, so much. However, regardless of your age and your expectations on all of that, most financial advisors will agree that 10 to 20% of your salary is a good amount to contribute towards your retirement fund. 
And that's a wrap, ladies. Thank you, Nahama, Anonymous, and Sarah for your questions. Thanks for being here and being patient with me. And I hope my voice is not too horrible. Um, and being patient with that and, you know, with me taking it a little bit slower. Keep sending in those questions. And I really hope to continue to answer them next Friday. I know I still have a few left that came in from the past uh, week and a half. So I have that, but please send in your questions. I'll try to tackle as much as I can next Friday. I just realized I did forget to pick a review of the week. So God willing, next week I'll do that. And that means that you can and you should leave a review. It's really not that hard, I promise. It really, and it really helps the show. So scroll down that, uh, that uh, on your Apple podcast as you're on the page for the show, just on that app, just scroll down until, you know, past the first, I think, 10 episodes that are listed and it'll get get you to the review and rating section. And that's where you leave your review. And if you want to be part of my Bitachon class that I mentioned earlier, Developing Trust for Women, that's just easy. Send me an email, send your registration link. Yeah, You can also leave me your questions for the show there as well. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. See you here next week.